Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. A year ago today, George Floyd was murdered at the hands of Minneapolis police. The shocking video of the incident led to demonstrations and protests across the country, including here in California. Many communities here have had their own reckoning on racial equity and policing, including Sacramento, where the police shooting death of Stefan Clark three years ago has sparked calls for change. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin spoke with Tanya Faison, the founder of Black Lives Matter Sacramento, about how activists like her are thinking about sustaining the momentum behind the movement for racial equality. From my experience, momentum isn't something that an organizer or an organization can create. It's usually a moment or it's a certain person that's been taken or the situation, how they were taken, that sparks something in the community where everybody wants to show up. It, we've lost 20 people since we've been doing the work in Sacramento, 20 black folks, to police violence. And Stefan Clark was the one who got the most people out. And it's because he was part of two communities. He was loved in two communities in Sacramento. He had a lot of friends. And then a lot of people were just drawn to that story. A lot of people will say, you know, oh, Tanya, you organized this march and you got thousands of people out. And it's like, no, it's the situation that got the people out. And when it comes to George Floyd, I think the situation was, is that there was back-to-back killings that were all over the country and they were well-known. COVID was in place. So people were at home just watching all of this. It's like they had to sit down and actually look at this instead of living their lives like normally how we do And so I think that was what brought the momentum out. And I hope that we continue to stay activated because I know it's going to happen again. I saw the list on your website of people who've been killed since 2014, which was really jarring to look at in black and white. And when you're talking, it just made me feel like there's this really sad irony that sometimes the things that are bringing new energy to this movement are the new deaths. Right. It's really sad that we, what do they call that in like basketball? Like you're on defense instead of on offense. It's really sad that, you know, it works that way. But, you know, there are organizations on the ground like ours that are working in offense. Um, You know, we're trying to make sure that things get changed. Um, And then we're also trying to make changes within our community so that we have what we need. And can you tell me a little bit more about those resources and how you feel like they're reinforcing the future of the Black community in Sacramento? We're just trying to make sure that folks that are in our communities have what they need so that they're not trying to get it in other ways. Even if it's clout or career options or business ideas or 
you know, self-defense, you know, learning how to box, like whatever it is that you like to do, doing it in a constructive way. And so that's, we were having a lot of Know Your Rights trainings by organizations like the ACLU and the National Lawyers Guild. But, you know, they would say things like, well, you don't have to show your license or ID if you're walking. And that's true legally, but if you're black and you tell an officer no, you might get killed. So we want to make a space where we can funnel those services into the community and provide a place for folks to be reliant on each other instead of on the system that we're fighting. Tanya Faison, founder of Black Lives Matter Sacramento, I really appreciate your making time to talk to us. Thank you so much. I appreciate you calling me. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Now we'll hear from 15-year-old Jaden Polk, a racial justice advocate from Oakland. She spoke with The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi about how she envisions the future of racial justice, including why she thinks people are hesitant about the idea of defunding the police. Well, people are scared, for one, um, and that fear is derived from ignorance. People are taught from a really young age that you call the police when something bad happens. So when you think of taking money from those people, the first thing they think of is chaos and fear and the whole city's going to burn it, which is just not the case. Defunding the police is meant to take that money and reinvest in communities to prevent the crime from happening in the first place. When you give people mental health resources and education and housing, then there's going to be a clear significant drop in crime. So People don't want their safety net, their false safety net to be taken from under them. I think young organizers and organizers in general are still fighting for something. What are you pushing for? What are the next steps? Because obviously the fight is not over for you guys. No, it's not. And it's never going to be over until there is clear systemic change in terms of our communities getting what we need to survive, not just survive, but prosper. And until police stop killing Black people without consequence, then there's always going to be something to fight for. Our communities are over-policed and in poverty and need support. So do you see progress being made? Well, I'm hopeful. I'm always going to be hopeful for change. I can, I can see the future and I can see a clear pathway to it. It's just depending on if the people who can genuinely make those decisions are radical enough and brave enough to do it, are brave enough to care, which I don't even, I don't really understand half the time 
why it's an argument, why we have to march, why we have to rally, why I have to justify a reason for caring about Black life and Black communities. It shouldn't have to be justified why, why I deserve to live, why people in my community deserve to eat and have proper housing and go to school, etc. That was racial justice advocate Jaden Polk on this first anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. And that is the California Report for this Tuesday, May 25th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. The law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at perkinscoie.com and Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.